Welcome to the podcast to be named later, where we explore the world a conversation at a time. Sit back and enjoy. Here are your hosts, Chris and Kelly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast to be named later. A lot happening in the world of sports, and to talk about it, I've got Chris out in California, and I am here back in Wisconsin. Chris, how are you doing? Doing really good, sir. Excited to talk some sports, my friend. You bet. And there's a lot going on um, from college football to NFL football. And one player that I guess has got eventually 700 million reasons to play baseball, although it sounds like 680 million of them will come 10 years from now. A lot happening. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So we could dive into that, you know, at some point. But, um, you know, uh, not not many guys in today's age are gonna do what uh, Shohei Otani is is offering up to do. So, um, you know, good on him. I mean, hey, I, I get it. I mean, you know, I can't argue with the rationale of wanting to win championships and um, trying to uh, you know work out a deal that would put the team you're playing for in a better position to be able to do that. Uh, it's just not a lot of guys will do that, man. So, uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, speaking of not many people doing something, we're down to four teams in college football for the last time uh, as far as a championship, but we do know the four. What's your take on how that all ended? I know it's a week ago that we had the playoffs, or the sub-playoffs, I guess, the championship games that settled things, but what's your take? Yeah, I guess I didn't realize we hadn't spoken uh, the – you know, uh, we're a little bit behind. It's not the, the front page story at the time when we we're recording this, but the uh, committee had their hands full this year. I mean, there there was there really was no way to, to hit it. You know, you had probably six de- deserving teams for four spots. So, um, you know, no one's arguing with the Georgia being left out part. Um, the reality is if Georgia uh, faced probably any team in the country on a neutral field, I think Georgia would be favored in that football game, including Alabama, who they just lost to in the SEC championship game. So, you know, Vegas doesn't determine who gets to play, but, you know, if they did, um, Georgia would definitely be in the top four in terms of likelihood. They would they would probably be uh, co-favorites with Michigan. Um, and yet they're out. Uh, Florida State goes undefeated in the ACC. Um you know, it's really just – I feel really bad for them just because, um, you know, when you go through a football season, man, and, and uh, I mean, you know, when you go through a lot of things, um, you know, you face adversity, there's challenges, and, uh, you know, the, the, the goal is – in football, at least, is to, is to win the football games, right, to, to win every game you play in. And, um, you know, very few teams can be successful in all of them over the course of a season. And, you know, Florida State, I mean, you know, they – they had a Heisman candidate and one of the best quarterbacks in college football leading their team. They were rolling right along, um, pretty much boat racing most people. And uh, then, you know, he goes down and it's like, okay, well, they still have a really talented roster. Um, but, you know, obviously a significant hit. You could see in their offensive output um, over the last couple of games. I mean, they just were not the same team. But, you know, defense special teams and, and the guys they did have on offense still there um they were scrappy and and they gutted out some really hard fought wins um to remain undefeated 
And, you know, you'd like to, I'll be excited when it's next year. You'd like for them to have a chance, you know what I mean? For them to go through what they went through and still come out. Um, you know, they played everyone on their schedule and, uh, you know, they played a couple of uh, tough out of conference games. Um, they played LSU, they played Florida and Miami every year, you know, in that little Florida trifecta thing that they do. And, um, you know, they, they won all the games, man. And you'd, you'd like to see a team like that have an opportunity, but I, I do understand, uh, the, com the committee's point of view. The reality is, I mean, Florida would be Florida State would be the underdog against any of the other teams that we're talking about. You know, Alabama, Michigan, Texas, Washington, Georgia would all be uh, a heavy favorite over Florida State. So, you know, um, without any any real offense, I mean, you can see what that looks like from the New York Jets in the NFL. It's 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 hard to win, man. And so I get why they were left out. It's just unfortunate. That's all. Yeah, I I know we talked about this before. I don't I have I don't have a problem with the choice the committee made. If I was to say one thing that I would have if the reasons they made it were what they said, my question would be why did you not if you will lower Florida State earlier in the process? Right. Um, that might be the one thing I would say that if as soon as the quarterback went down, or definitely before the last week, you know, why didn't you change things? That said, it's an imperfect system, and there wasn't a right answer because it's all well. And I, I mean, the fact is, and we've seen what happened at other times, I think they don't want to have as much as they can predict what will happen an absolute blowout and i think this is no knock on florida state i wouldn't have minded if they got in uh to give that chance for that underdog mentality one for all all for one our quarterback went down we're gonna fight like that's a story we won't get to see finish this year now um so that's on one hand disappointing but i'm not going to go back on what i said a couple weeks ago where I understand the choices they had to make. I mean, I'll put it this way. If you're going to say that, uh, Ohio State, uh, minus the fact that they didn't get to play in a championship game, you know, I could, I could make a case while they, they're likely as good as some teams that uh, made it across the finish line to this championship run. Um, could I make an argument for Georgia still? So... Um, I think ultimately we ended up with a good uh, matchup. It's really going to be interesting. Well, actually, all the games, will be, the two games will be interesting. Um, but, wow, it's going to – I guess the one I'm looking forward to more than anything is uh, Mich Michigan and Alabama now to see, like, okay, we've got the Big Ten team in at number one. What, what are they going to do? Right. I mean, and that, that is the more powerful of the two games. You know, um, Washington's been great. They they had to beat Oregon twice, which is a really good football team. The uh, Pac-12 in its final season was way up this year. Um, you know, a lot of good teams, Arizona, Oregon State, Oregon, um, all good competitive football teams. And, and Washington made it through that gauntlet undefeated. And, um, 
you know, Texas, uh, they, they actually look like an SEC team. I mean, they'll be there next year and, um, you know, they're, uh, built strong up front. They could run the football. Um, you know, they look like an SEC team, but, uh, it, you know, and that's in the sugar bowl of the, of the two semis, but Alabama, Michigan, sure. Look, Alabama partly is, uh, you know, the history of Alabama, you know, we, we know what Saban is as a coach. We know what Alabama is as a program. Um, they have the history. I mean, you know, if you want to go back, you can go back decades and, and say that Alabama has the history. So does Michigan. Um, but it sure feels like that is the stronger of the two sides. You know, the Texas-Washington, whoever wins that game is going to be an underdog in that championship game. And I don't have a problem with the way they, the way they uh, ranked them and seeded them or anything. You know what I mean? That's that's fine. Um, that that's all. It's all fair, but uh, eventually you have to beat two really good teams, no matter what, in whatever order. Uh, but it does feel like the Alabama, Michigan, whoever comes out of that game is going to be the favorite in, in the championship game. I think. It seems like it. I do think we'll end up with, um, you know, three good games, uh, really going to be curious to see how does Washington handle Texas? Um, you know, I would say this about Texas, and maybe maybe it's my own uh, lack of awareness, but of all the teams that had their great runs, they were kind of one of the, I mean, I don't know, they kind of, relatively speaking, were more of a the quieter team, if you will, throughout the season. They were always there, but especially given how down they've been of late, um, just for them to be back, uh, I, I just feel that they were, they're a little bit, I don't want to say underdog, but un, they're sneaking in a little bit, if you will. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, obviously they got a lot of hype. They went into uh, Tuscaloosa and, and, and won a football game in a place that not very many people can go and win. Um, that kind of got them, hey, you know, but uh, then – about a month later or so, they played what was a really, really good football game against Oklahoma. They lost. Uh, in the meantime, you know, it takes a while to really believe in someone, you know what I mean? And they got to continue to show it sometimes. And, um, you know, uh, Texas had some easier games mixed in there that it was just kind of like, I think you're spot on. I think they stayed under the radar. Like you said, they were always there. They had that one big win against uh, Alabama. And then, um, like I said, they didn't really play anyone for a couple of weeks or, or not real t- true uh, uh, challenge. And they played, you know, Wyoming and Baylor. Um, they played Kansas, which is a, a decent team, but certainly not a, a powerhouse. And then um, lost the game to Oklahoma, and that just kept them under the radar. And then they just proceeded to win and win and win. And, and, and uh, um, as the season wore on, I will say this. So Michigan's been pretty steady Eddie all year. I, I think I could say the same thing about Washington. They came out of the gates hot. And then I think a lot of people were waiting for the shoe to drop a little bit with Washington. And they were a nine-point underdog to Oregon, who they had beaten previously. And so obviously there wasn't a ton of belief in Washington. Um, but they kind of who, were who they were all year, really. And uh, high-powered offense. I mean, they're fast. Their receiving core is ridiculous. Um, they, they, they might have three NFL receivers on that team. Um, Penix has been playing great. And uh, Michigan's been real steady, but both, but Alabama especially, um, Georgia was like that too. Uh, they you know they didn't make the playoff, but um, you know they ascended right. So you know Texas 
beat them when they needed to. I, if Texas and Alabama had played that game again at Alabama, uh, like the final week of the season, I, I don't know that Texas wins then. So Alabama was kind of figuring things out a little bit uh, early in the season. Texas got them at a good time. They won. Credit to them. I mean, they, and they won the game handily and everything. I mean, just, no one can't take it away or anything. But all I'm saying is Alabama's a better football team now. Um, you know, once they, uh, you know, committed to the young quarterback and, and um, you know, kind of settled into all their roles, now they look like the Alabama, you know, that we're used to. I definitely would agree. Uh, Al, you know, some teams, like you said, okay, they're, we know their identity, more power to Washington. We saw their identity early on, and that high-powered offense has been present all the time. And, you know, they really – they came out and it was – Pretty big underdog to uh, Oregon, and they they took care of their business in a big way in that game. Um, But Alabama, of all the teams, is the one that, if you will, if teams are rising and uh, looking for when do they crest, I'd say they are the one, you know, they've got that upward momentum more than the other teams. Not that the other teams are bad. They're all, they've kind of been in their steady eddy state, if you will, more so. Um, and Alabama has that. The trade-off of all of this is, um, this is probably the one thing I don't like about the way college football works. There is so much time off before all these teams play another meaningful game. It's almost a month. It's you know, they all played their games on whatever uh, the dates were last weekend, the first, the second, I guess. Um, you know, it's it's a long time off. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious, uh, what, what is your, so I was just thinking about this today, actually. And, uh, I was going to monkey around, like throw a couple like parlays together. So I used to do this every single year and it was, it was, uh, oh, man, it was, you know, it's it such a fun, like two week period, um, where, you know, I, I, w- I would run a college football, uh, bowl pick them, you know, a lot of times you'd like rank the, the games, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and get points. Um, I'd put all kinds of like little parlay cards together, uh, me and your brother Tim um, went to Vegas a couple of times, you know, back in the day, and and put a bunch of uh, bets in, you know, a bunch of three teamers and four teamers and whatnot, and um, we, uh, you know, the bowls used to be something that I, I didn't miss a single one. I, I didn't care if it was the you know backwoods lumber you know bowl in, in, in you know uh, final act Wisconsin forward to the pop tart bowl, dude. Uh, you know what I mean? But I don't care. It's football, and I love it. Well, now um, I find myself just dis- disinterested. You know, it- it's impossible. I won't bet them because I have no I- – I'm not dialed in enough to know who's playing and who's not playing. So many of the star players just don't even show – they don't suit up. They don't play at all. Anyone who's of NFL caliber that plans on going to the draft isn't going to play. The, o- the only exception would be in the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, the two semifinals for the championship. I would expect everyone – in those two games to play, you know, that are fighting for a championship. But so many of the other guys just aren't even going to get dressed. And so it's hard for me to get up and be excited when, you know, the guys who are playing in the game aren't. I'm of mostly a similar opinion. I put it this way. I know when the bowl games are starting. I mean, I know they start next weekend. I might turn one on as background, but... I can't think of any games, including even the Wisconsin Badgers, you know, who I'm obviously a big fan of, that I would say I'm going to go out of my way to watch. I'm sure I'll end up seeing parts of them, but, like, and I was actually thinking about the other thing because I was thinking about, I, I always liked that bull pick em thing we did 
But I'm like, you know what? I don't even know who's going to be in these games. Like, the teams I knew, you know, you already have half the drama of, oh, this team is being coached by a new coach and all the rest. Well, now, you know, and I, I'm not going to fault the players at all, man. If, if you got a chance to go to the NFL, there is no upside for most of these players to play in a meaningless bowl game. You know, unless you're trying to improve your draft stock. But at this point, the likelihood that you're going to do that in a bowl game, unless it's one of the championships, is low. And so you have only downside of getting hurt. And especially in the way that NFL contracts work now, that getting hurt or doing anything to lower your draft position has huge financial consequences. You know, we've talked about it before, but you can go look. Just the slotted salary numbers, uh, even from the top of the first round to the bottom, let alone other rounds, and now you live with that number for four years. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame anyone either, Kelly. I, I have no problem with guys sitting out. I. I have no. I, I will never have a problem with any individual uh, doing what is right for them and their family. Uh, provided you're not like stepping on someone else's cranium to do it. You know, if you're not hurting somebody else in the process. Um, I, I'm all for everyone getting everything they can out of life and doing the best that they can for themselves. Um, and you know, my entertainment of a, of a college bowl game doesn't count. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, my, uh, what I want doesn't factor in and shouldn't factor in. So I get it. I, I, I don't fault them at all. Um, you know, I don't hate the transfer portal. I don't hate the NIL money. I, I, I'm okay with the, some of the changes, um, that have taken place. I mean, I haven't gotten comfortable with the, all the realignment that's been taking place yet. I mean, I think that's just a matter of, you know, getting used to it, you know, all the movement that's taken place, but eventually, um, they'll still put a product out on the field. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have a problem with, with the state of college football. You know, I think it's still in flux where it's, it hasn't fully settled in yet. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just it's unfortunate because it, it, the Bulls used to be so much for, more fun, and and they you know they used to be more more limited, and then it kind of went sideways with the uh, you know so all, all the Bulls you know were, everyone made it there was there was nothing elite about the teams that made the Bulls you you basically just had to be five hundred to get a spot, and not um, even five hundred this year. So um, you know I didn't dig that you know I mean it felt a little watered down at some point, but at least we were getting you know around New Year's Day ish you know, tail end of December in, into like New Year's, we were getting some really high quality stuff then. So you could take or leave some of the earlier games. You don't have to watch them if you don't want to, you know, some of the lesser games, lower ranked teams and stuff. And then now like with, with the transition we've made into this, you know, you don't know who's playing, you know, I mean, if a team's starting quarterback decides not to play, I mean, that's just not the same football team, dude, you know, and, and if they're all American linebacker, they're, all-American wide receiver running back doesn't play that significantly changes like the quality of the team that they are and uh it's just it's too much for me to track you know if I, if I got paid to do it and and you know if I could keep a better eye on things um then maybe you know my, my opinion would change but for just a sports fan you know who's pretty novice and and I know you know what sports center and, and the internet feed to me in terms of information um I recognize that I just don't know much about who's deciding to play and not play. Well, yeah, I mean, I can, again, just use my own example, right? So Wisconsin Badgers, right? I mean, A, they got a New Year's Day Bowl still, I think in part because the team travels well, going from cold weather Wisconsin down to Florida. But, you know, they're 
all everything running back, Braylon Allen, uh, you know, finishing his junior year, he's not going to play in the bowl game because, you know, he uh, is going pro. So you can't tell me that's not going to change the dynamics of the game significantly and what the team's been able to do. I, I'm really curious, though, about one other thing. The, the transfer portal, um, I've had this random thought lately. The way it is now, I don't have a problem. I mean, hey, you know, coaches can do it so the players would be able to as well. But I wonder, an interesting wrinkle, and maybe colleges missed this opportunity. You know, if they had, if they paid the players, not just with a scholarship, um, but what if they were truly employees and they had, then they signed contracts, like, hey, you know, you're gonna come to our school for four years or whatever. Um, you know, it'd be an interesting wrinkle. Like that contract stipulates you're gonna be here all the time. You can't leave after two years or one year. Right. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of alludes to what I was, uh, talking about a minute ago that it's not done. You know I mean? This, the, the state of the college football and, you know, it's affiliation to the NCAA and, you know, uh, there is pretty wild, wild west out there right now, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, uh, it's not, it's not over. So, uh, I don't know at what point Congress might get involved. I don't know at what point, um, you know, you know, I think I might even said on, on uh, this podcast before that uh, I don't know that NCAA is even going to be the governing body, you know, of college football 10 years from now. So uh, I, I'm just I'm standing by, you know, I'll take what they give me for now. I mean, as it stands right now, I'm happy with um, the two really nice semifinal games that we have. And I'm sure the national championship will, uh, will be um, intriguing and I'll, I'll be all about it and watch that as well. And I'll just take what I could get. I do wish Florida State had an opportunity. I do wish Georgia was in the fire in the fight. Um, there's a couple other teams. You mentioned Ohio State. They, they lost one game, and uh, that's it. You're out. And it's like, hey, Ohio State's a pretty damn good football team, man. I bet they'd like another crack at things on a neutral field, not having to play at Michigan, you know. And uh, so, um, you know, next year we'll get some more. I'm sure there'll still be controversy next year. But um, in my opinion, you know, this was a perfect storm this year. I mean, generally it works itself out, and historically we always feel pretty good. Since we moved to this four teams, um, you know, there's been a little bit of controversy in the past, but uh, for the most part we always felt like, yeah, we got the four best. This is the first year that I'm not sure that we, 100% that we did. Uh, and, you know, was, but whoever wins these two games, I will feel good, like they're deserving of the national championship. But, yeah, you know, the Georgias and the Ohio States of the world probably could have competed with these guys. They're, they're right on the same plane with them. Yeah, I think um, – I definitely think the dust hasn't settled on the NCAA and players and payment. I think that uh, it really is the Wild West. You know, now we got all kinds of crazy proposals, some saying, hey, team – you know, now they're saying colleges should be able to pay their players and a bunch of other stuff. I can't help but thinking I, I, his name is escaping me. Boy, the young man from Ohio State several years ago who got in all his trouble for Maurice Claret selling his pants. Man, is that Maurice Claret or who? I oh, think maybe. so. Uh, yeah, he he yeah he tried to put up a fight a little premature. He wasn't wrong, but you know he was just a bit ahead of the time, and he ended up getting. 
essentially like blackballed and like <laughs> he didn't work out so hot for him. So, um, yeah, but, uh, and now, you know what I mean? Fast forward, you know, 10 years or whatever. I forget that was a while ago. If that's who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, now he'd be, you know, he'd be perfectly in the right and everything. So times change and we'll see. All right, Chris, it's time, uh, Put you on the spot, and then me. Uh, Michigan, Alabama. I'm taking Michigan. I just uh, feel like they've been complete all year. Uh, I believe they've been on a mission since, you know, three years ago at least, maybe longer since Harbaugh got there, you know what I mean? And, and um, this is the best team they've had. Now, while they have stayed you know we caught we talked to him about uh them being like steady eddie a little bit and they have I, I do believe they've been really solid um they got Corum and edwards they got a monster of an offensive line they have uh i think the number one defense in the country uh statistically um and then uh he hasn't been asked to do much but um jj mccarthy has improved you know week after week after week and um you know it's just he just hasn't had to do a whole lot is all so, but I think he's capable of it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I agree. Alabama's ascending. I wouldn't surprise me one bit if Alabama, uh, moves on to the national championship. They've done it so many times. It'd be like, you know, betting against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. It's just silly sometimes, you know what I mean? To think that they, they don't have a chance, but, um, it's going to be a, a really, really good football game, but, um, I think Michigan finds a way to pull it out, man. I just, I, I feel like they're, you know, whatever, man. Um, all the crap about the sign stealing and and uh, um, you know the, the the stuff they've gone through and and uh, you know, I, I, on their side, I think it's going to galvanize them. Um, you know, I, I I wish it hadn't happened. You know what I mean? It's a black eye on the whole thing, on on all of college football and sports in general. But I think inside that locker room, they don't get, they don't care, and um, I yeah, I think they'll find a way to get it done. Who are you taking? I'm gonna take uh, in this one, Michigan too. I think that uh, two things, uh, they just got one heck of a defense, and I think that it is, uh, I think they're gonna be strong enough to shut down an Alabama offense, and that all of those high powered. Uh, SEC kind of plays that we see all the time. I think their 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 defense is strong enough this year, from what I've seen, that they can do that. And I think you're right. McCarthy hasn't been asked to do a lot, but I, and I don't know if he'll have to in this game or not. I mean, we'll see how it goes. But what they are great at and doesn't bother them. That's there's is hey man, they get up by seven points, they'll go run the ball twenty times. Yeah. And they won't be bothered by it. They'll just do it. And that's, you know, that's how they play football. Right. And, and, and I mean, you know, that game could go either way. I mean, you know, we've, we've, we, we both know who Alabama is, so I'm sure they'll be ready, and they're a really, really good football team. Um, so, but, you know, if you're asking me to pick one, I'm, I'm, I just got a feeling it might be Michigan in that game. Yeah. I mean, uh, you I, pick first in the next one, dude. Who you like, Texas or Washington? I'm gonna go with Washington. <laughs> uh, I'm going with Washington too, man. I just <laughs> think they got something special. I, I, you know, they're I think four and a half point underdogs or something like that. Texas is really good. I've watched a bunch of the Texas football games this year, and 
Um, like I said, they kind of look like an SEC team. Their, their defense also is really stout. But I don't think Washington really cares. You know, I, I mean, what they do um, is a little more free-flowing. I think uh, Washington gets to ride that no one believes in us. You know what I mean? It's just it's us against the world. You know, I, I think they just get to keep riding it, man. And they're going to get to ride it the whole way because they'll be an underdog against either Michigan or Alabama too. So, you know, they're showing up as an undefeated champion and, and an underdog, just, you know, once again, no one believes in us. And I think that can be really powerful sometimes. Um, and, and, a, and, a, a, a excellent motivating factor for, uh, for, a, for a team to, to constantly be overlooked and feel like they're getting slighted. I think sometimes teams will, will, will manufacture that, you know, they'll, they'll have a narrative in, in, inside their locker room or clubhouse or whatever <laughs> that, yeah, it, all you guys doubted us. And, and it's re in reality, like, nah, man, we all thought you were pretty good. Nah, nah, you, you didn't believe in us, you know. And, and so I think sometimes it's it's make-believe, you know, in their own head. Um, but in this case, I think Washington has been, you know, overlooked and just like no, one, no one's really believed in them. Like I said, they were nine, nine-and-a-half-point underdogs against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. And then they went out and handled business again. And it's like, I don't know what we got to do. And then they show up for this game as an underdog. So I just, I feel like they're going to play loose and, and be motivated. And, and uh, I, I don't know, man. I just feel like they have something cooking. I, I just see Washington in the championship game some, somehow. I feel like they're going to be the story of this year. And, uh, you know, t Texas is, like I said, a really good football team. Um, again, I mean, not, neither one, any one of these fours win, uh, wins, it, it wouldn't shock me. But uh, I don't know. I just feel like as Washington says, something cooking, man. I think that uh, yeah, like you just said, any one of the anybody who wins won't surprise me. But the thing about Washington is, um, they've they just keep doing it, and their offense is uh, just amazingly high powered, and um, they they've stood every test that they were asked to to take so far and i think that uh they've got a, a mentality about them right kind of the hey we're the last of the pac-12 and this other thing and still something to prove because maybe you know they've been up there in the pacific northwest maybe not getting as much press because of you know late night games and other stuff but i don't know man like they seem like the washington huskies teams of old the don james era when they're truly one of the elites of college football and they they you know it's funny i lived out in seattle for so long and they were struggling through different coaches and trying to find themselves and a bunch of other stuff but it, like it seems to me that they've put together a heck of a team have a program that's built now for some long-term success and i think this is going to be the uh, first game of many in which we're going to see Washington uh, on the national stage. Yeah, I agree. I think I think what they have is sustainable. I, I don't think this is a fluke. You know, you have those teams that rise up every four to five years or something like that and, and kind of, you know, the Northwesterns or the Washington States or, you know, whatever. They, they play a bunch of freshmen and, and then uh, – you know, four years later, they're they're a really good team, and maybe go play in the Rose Bowl or something, and then they go back to starting over again. Whereas Washington, I think, is going to be, um, you know, re, 
you know, just retooling year after year. So, I, I mean, they have the facilities, they have the money, they have the history, you know. I, there's no reason that they can't continue to um, be a perennial power. The only, you know, if there is a fly in the ointment, but I, th- I think it's not one that they can't overcome, right, with them coming into the Big Ten. I mean, so now they're going to play uh, good competition as well. But, again, let me put it this way. I'm a Big Ten fan, and um, they concern me by being in the same conference as Wisconsin. I think that, um, you know, they're definitely coming in as a top five. I'd put them right now in the probably the top four teams in the Big Ten. If, if we took all the teams from that are coming to the Big Ten next year, they'd be in the top four. Right, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. Probably. You know, and one, one dynamic I kind of thought on on this subject, you know, with the travel and and you know some of the distance that schools are going to have to play with this realignment, you know, and um, you know, one thing that uh, kind of occurred to me, Kelly, was that you know uh, it's fair for everybody, right? So not only does Washington have to you know go to the big house the next year, you know, Michigan's going to have to go to Washington, right? So the travel's all fair and all that, and. Um, uh, but it's a little harder on the West Coast teams because they got to do it more times. Um, you know, each of the Big Ten teams will, will likely only have to do it once, maybe twice, right? Whereas, like, Wisconsin might have to do it, you know, five, four times in a year. Um, but, you know, what occurred to me was, uh, you know, that's all fair and balanced and everything. And, it, you know, everyone has to travel is what it is, you know. But it's definitely harder to go east than it is to go west. And... um the way college football is set up right now, it's it's more about – it kind of reminds me a little bit of like a poker tournament where it's not so much about how well you do. It's do you avoid the landmines. You know what I mean? Do do you, you – you can't lay eggs. And with the going to 12, I mean, maybe you could lay one. If you're a really good team, maybe, you know, maybe you could suffer a loss and, and overcome it, but then your net's gone, right? You can't lose twice. And uh, um, with the way, you know, some of this realignment's taking place – it. it it, you know, it kind of puts those teams at a disadvantage where like, man, you're, you're, you know, you're setting yourself up for some more tr- troublesome games. Um, and the land, you know, all of a sudden there's a lot more landmines out there. I think this is going to be something that it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out and what they do, because with some of these conferences getting so big, right. I mean, I don't even know what they're going to do. Well, the, the last thing I heard was that, um, Washington State and Oregon State had scheduled uh, for football only. I think they're going to play six games uh, against uh, Mountain West teams. But so the way that whole um, 12 teams was supposed to be determined, I mean, well, one of the conferences that was supposed to get an automatic bid is gone. So I think that we'll still have to see, like, how many times does a team get to have a toe stub, if you will. I I think ultimately there's going to be more – you, you can't be horrible, but I do think that you, obviously just the math will show you that you're going to get more one-loss teams, potentially even a two-loss team, into the tournament of 12. And I guess to carry on your analogy, Chris, I think you're right, but I would say this. Um, if it's like poker, right, as long as you can get to the final table, um, you got a shot. And... You know, you might not have the most getting over there. Or you might have some stuff happen along the way. But as long as you make it to that final table, you've got a shot. And so I think that 
you know, and we just boosted that final table from four seats to 12. Um, so all the travel stuff will sort itself out. I mean, it is harder. Um, maybe who knows what they'll do. I mean, um, I don't know, but, and we see it in the NFL as well, but we'll see how it shakes out for a couple of years. And then, you know what? Maybe these be even more conference realignment. Um, maybe they'll say, hey, all these conferences are too big, or who knows what. Yeah, like, again, man, I mean, you know, NFL has um, two conferences with four divisions and uh, four teams in each division, and, um, you know, it's it's very clean. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just – I don't know what I don't know, man. It's one of those things that all I know is is it's not finished – I just don't know what it's what direction it might go. Um, you know, it could be broken down a whole lot of ways, man. So um, I know historically, you know, there's been conferences, you know, ACC, SEC, you know, Big Ten, Big Twelve, blah 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 blah, on and on and on. And then you know, over time, some of the conferences, um, you know, were clearly stronger than the other ones, right? Like the Big Ten clearly plays, you know, uh, a little better brand of football than the Mountain West does, and so on and so forth. But who's to say that down the road, um, you know, there's not a series of, you know, four super conferences with 32 teams in each and they have, you know, divisions and, uh, you know, things like that. So um, it's it, it just standby, man. <laughs> I don't know what this is going to evolve into. All I know is it's it's not over yet. That's that I know for sure. Well, speaking of the NFL having a cleaner process for scheduling that's true but i'll tell you what the injury report for the nfl quarterbacks in particular is pretty blotted up with ink this year i've never seen anything like this year in terms of the quarterback position so i I, as you know i do a ton of fantasy football hey uh well i don't want to congratulate you so you know it's not it's not a it's not a lock lock but um you sure feel like a like a high 90s percent chance of making it so if should you make it in and all, all goes according to plan then congratulations to you sir um, then i'm coming for you buddy yeah yeah not with my own guy so um you know we, we made a trade in the season and uh you know my guy's been kind of the, the guy you traded for um dj moore been a little up and down but that's kind of the position you know wide receiver position is pretty up and down um you know you, you started out like a house of fire with a 50 plus point game right right from go as soon as we made the trade and then um that he had was some 59 down weeks. i believe sir yeah it was a big number dude and so uh um you know but then it was pretty balanced man pacheco was the guy i got in the deal and and he's been very steady um now right now pacheco's hurt so i'm not getting much out of my half of the bargain at the moment but um you know both of our teams look like they're gonna make the playoffs and uh you know i'm i'm happy that uh you know, we benef- we both benefited from the trade that we made, it looks like. So at a, at a minimum, DJ Moore has done a good job of getting you into a good tie-break situation. So he, he's accumulated a lot of, like, just gross points, which, you know, is a factor um, sometimes in breaking ties. And so it uh, feels like a win-win, man. And um, uh, uh, if you make it, man, which I, I, I certainly think you will, uh, good luck to you. Uh, we shouldn't most likely – we could play each other. I, I don't know. Right now, I think I'm the one seed and you're the four seed, so it's possible we play, but um, there's still a, another week before we yeah, start. Yeah, we'll see how it shakes out, man. So, but, uh, yeah, you want to transition to the NFL, man? Because I got 
you know, yeah. I got tons of stuff to talk about. The uh, the quarterback state in the in the league is, you know, like as I said a minute ago, just nothing I've never ever seen before. It's just never been like this. We have never had this many injuries at the quarterback position, and and some of it's not even just injuries. Some of it is just poor play and and um, you know, guys that we had expectations for didn't meet them. A lot of it is injuries for sure. Uh, I mean, there's more backup quarterbacks uh starting a week this week than have ever started in the history of the league i believe so um, that kind of tells you where we're at um you can tell just by looking at the over-unders on games i mean it's it's definitely affected the product on the field i mean you know teams are scratching and clawing and uh i'll tell you the teams that um somehow managed to avoid that that uh you know season wrecking um quarterback injury are you know much much better and what's kind of funny man heading into the year so you look at the ravens right now are sitting as the one seed in the afc and i always kind of discounted the raider ravens i think a lot of us did just because i just counted on lamar jackson getting hurt that's what he does every year so um he looks amazing plays great football everything's awesome and then he gets hurt and um you know doesn't play in december and uh you know the the team just falls off well this year of, of all the injuries that have taken place lamar jackson isn't one of them and then heading into the season, Tua Tunga Vailoa, after what he went through last year, um, was a definite injury risk, man. I mean, it looked like he was a strong wind away from being out of the league forever, you know, uh, all the concussion problems he had last year and everything. And then, um, again, you know, we've lost, you know, 16 quarterbacks or whatever it is, and Tua Tunga Vailoa is not one of them either. <laughs> so the guys, you would think – uh, you know, would be the more the, the higher injury risks have actually stayed upright, and then some of the other guys who you thought were you know strong and steady are the ones getting banged up. Yeah, it's definitely been injury and, and prone, and you know, not elite play for the dollars being spent. That's for sure. I don't know the exact thing, but I think I saw a headline today that maybe said as far as quarterback ratings this is like the lowest year in 14 years or some crazy number um it is definitely um if this is an so far it seems like an aberration but if this continues i mean we're gonna have to see i think you'll see teams evolve in some way you know back before the salary cap era you found ways to have i mean steve young was joe montana's backup Right. Um, that doesn't happen in the salary cap era. Um, but for as much money as is being spent on the NFL in the way the game's geared towards, you know, quarterbacks, if the play is this bad for a couple of years, I guarantee you'll see something being done. I don't know what, but as a product, they won't want that to continue. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's limited options on what you can do. So the the real issue is uh, there's two there's two big problems. One, um, there's not enough talented people to play the position. There's there's just only a handful of people on the planet who can do that job. So that's one problem, right? So there's just you know there's 32 teams, 32 starters, but um, generally you're going to have about three quarterbacks per team, uh, and there aren't enough guys to quality guys to fill that spot. And the other problem, which is kind of, um, you know, sort of, sort of tied to the first is 
there's not enough practice time to go around. So they can't get better. So some of these guys, like you look, um, like Jake Browning stepped in. He looks great, man. He's playing great football. Who knew, right? And, uh, you know, uh, even old man Flacco's come back, and he's, shit, he looked pretty good, man. And so, um, but the issue is with practice and reps and ability. So some of these guys might be able to play football, but they're not given the opportunity to practice and develop and and turn in themselves into their best version of themselves, right? And so the lack of practice time and then the lack of quality, um, you know, just quarterbacks, period, as a blanket statement, is, you know, translates into what we're seeing on the field. And, you know, the, the low over-under totals, the um, uh, suppressed um, – you know, yardage and, and uh, completions and, and average depths of target and all, all the rest of it, man. I mean, you know, quarterbacks drive the league. Everybody knows that, man. I mean, they eat, the NFL's want wants it that way. They've, they've set the rules up that way. They pay that way. And, you know, when you lose them, it's like, man, you're, you put all your eggs into that quarterback basket. You know, apparently running backs don't matter at all. They're a dime a dozen. They don't get paid nothing. And, um, you know, there's there's no such thing really as a workhorse back anymore. I mean, even Derrick Henry's splitting carries with, uh, you know, Tajay Spears in Tennessee a little bit. You know, and and the, the workhorse back guy just doesn't exist any longer. And you know, you put all your all your eggs in the in the quarterback basket, and then then you drop the basket, <laughs> and a bunch of them are broken. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the practice time thing in particular is uh, relevant. I mean, we've talked several times about you know, how much all this takes repetition and, you know, going out and playing backyard ball at the NFL level, yeah, you might make the occasional flare flare play, but it's not, it's not sustainable. And I think that's one of the challenges. The other challenge is um, you missed, you mentioned two good ones, but the third one, and we see it sometimes, uh, you know, if you don't have an offensive line, it often doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. Right. And I think um, most people see uh, the New actually, York Jets. Yeah, yeah, or the or the Giants too. Both the New York teams are terrible. Um, the uh, you know I firmly believe this for for all my time since you know I've been an adult. You know, following football, doing football. Um, the, the most important position group on on a football team is the offensive line. I just firmly believe that to be true, and. You know, you, you're seeing it actually, you know, a good example is um, uh, the Cleveland Browns. So they have a really good defense, you know, probably top 10 defense, you know, arguably maybe even in the top five. They're, they're in the conversation for one of the better defenses in the league. And uh, and then they have a great offensive line. I mean, they, they don't have a, a lot to hang their hats on in terms of skill position players. I mean, Amari Cooper's fine. You know, Njoku's a, a really physical uh, specimen at tight end and all that, but you could go through the league and find a lot of teams better talent wise at skill position. And I mean, they've been, I mean, Joe Flacco is playing quarterback for him right now, man. So, uh, and then they're just out there winning football games with a good defense and a good offensive line and the rest, they're just kind of figuring out on the fly. And, um, you know, you've seen it, man, you know, year after year after year, you know, if you have a good offensive line, you can do anything. You know, and uh, a, a good defense helps too. But yeah, I, I it doesn't matter, man, how good a quarterback you got. Um, if you can't give him some time, or if he's injured because he got knocked out of uh, of a game, um, doesn't matter. 
I think a good offensive line, um, one of the things that they can do, uh, hey, you need a good defense too, but the, the elite offensive lines, uh, you know, especially since they know what's coming and what the play is, they can dictate the course of action. Whether it's a run, a pass, when they can impose their will uh, on the defense and allow the offense to flourish, I think that, you know, that it's easier to start demoralizing the defense because really they're like five guys acting as one, if not six or seven, when you bring in some tight ends. The defense, they're a little more of a group of individuals all working towards the same goal, but still as individuals. It's just the nature of the two things. Now, you don't see this that often because of, you know, teams don't keep a good offensive line together or guys get hurt or a bunch of other things. But, you know, when you can impose your will, whether that's giving your, your elite quarterback enough time to throw the longer pass or, you know, uh, giving that running back the two extra yards on every carry uh, and wearing the defense out, I think that that still matters. I mean, that's football still is, I mean, uh, you know, that's these front, my front guys, they're going to impose their will and let the skilled players around and behind them then perform. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you don't have to look very far. I mean, there's some, there's some uh, outliers for sure. Um, what, you know, so I'm looking at the playoff picture right now and, uh, you know, it's, they have it ranked a little funny where I'm looking, um, uh, at NFL.com, but, but just, uh, the numbers associated with things. So in the a- AFC, number one is the Ravens, great offensive line, uh, Miami dolphins, really good offensive line chiefs, really good offensive line. You go to the NFC 49ers, you know, maybe the best offensive line football, um, the Cowboys, great offensive line, Detroit lions, they're a little banged up right now, but when they're whole, good offensive line. Um, Eagles are in there, you know, great offensive line, also in the conversation for best in, in football. Um, you know, because the, the Browns are in here, uh, you know, a couple outliers, the Jags don't have a very good offensive line. The Buccaneers, not a great offensive line. Um, there, there's, a, you know, definitely a couple of outliers. But, man, you go through the 14 teams that are in the playoffs – uh, 11 of them are in the top half of in terms of offensive line and the guys up at the top top are in the conversation for you know top five and offensive lines and so you know dude you want to make the playoffs you want to be a winning football team I, I mean here you go so you know all, all the best offensive lines in football are currently you know in the playoffs man so I don't know it doesn't seem complicated to me but <laughs> well you know so there's also skilled players uh want to jump to some on-field action. All right. Uh, forgetting about the offsides aspect of it, talk us through that, uh, you know, the play everyone talking about uh, with Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs and his uh, lateral, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I could kind of outline it for you a little bit, man, um, try and, and paint a picture for you. Uh, you know, it, it, you're familiar with at what point in the game it was, right? So, uh, you know, likely the final drive the Chiefs are going to have um, based on the time that's left and timeout situations and all of that. So, uh, you know, they're trailing in the football game. Um, you know, 
Mahomes said it great, man, afterwards, too, that, um, you know, the play that Travis Kelsey made was uh, legendary, I think is the word he used. and Or he called him a legendary player. And, you know, so he completes the ball to Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is, you know, not in the open field, but he's he's running forward towards the goal line. And uh, there's three defenders in, the, in his vicinity. Um, he still has some space uh, as he's running, right? So... Um, you know, there was a guy guarding it after after he uh, caught the ball. That guy's now in the trail position, right? So so Kelsey was on uh, shaded towards the right hand side of the field, and uh, started kind of zigging and zagging and slowly working his way forward, kind of heading like north northwest, sort of, if you will, right? And uh, um, you know, he's heading a little bit to to the left and and kind of still making his way towards the goal line. And in the meantime, obviously, more defenders show up, safeties show up, and people are going to go try and trust. Tack, uh, corral Kelsey, tackle him. And um, he recognizes it, but he has enough space between him and the other guys um, that, you know, he has some time to think a little bit. And, uh, you know, he had three, four or five yards of, of space. And at some point he recognizes like, hey, man, like, you know, we need a play. Time's running out. And right now um, everything's all kind of discombobulated. I have the ball. I get to do whatever I want with it. Now, I absolutely can just like plow forward and, and try and, you know, gain my three or four or five more yards that I can get. But there's three guys that are going to tackle me. There's three dudes like all in my vicinity right now. I'm, I'm not going to make it to the goal line. I still got 35 yards to go. Um, so, you know, ex-quarterback Travis Kelsey throws a pretty good ball, actually. And uh, he just opted to take the chance right then. And um, Kadarius Tony, it was in kind of a trail position off to Kelsey's even further to the left than Kelsey was. He, Kelsey was at about the center of the field at this point. And um, Kadarius Tony's trailing. He's maybe 10, 12 yards behind Kelsey, and but but running towards him sort of. And he's off to the left of him by another you know, 15 yards or so, 10, 12, 15 yards, something like that, right? But everything's in motion, so they're moving. It's, you know, these numbers are changing as, as they're taking steps and stuff. And Kelsey uh, churns, decides, hey, I'm going to get tackled. I know that's going to happen. And as opposed to just taking his gain and calling it quits, he um, churned and fired a pass to Kadarius Tony. I mean, hit him right in the chest. There's nobody over there, dude. Everyone, everyone's going to tra tackle Kelsey. Like, no one's thinking about the guy who doesn't have the ball, right? That This kind of thing just doesn't happen much in the NFL. Uh, so, now, if you're playing your intramural uh, college team, maybe, yeah, maybe there's some pitching going on, and maybe, you know, maybe there's some lateraling happening, happening but in the NFL, it doesn't happen much. Um, he throws a beautiful pass. Tony catches it. And runs in for what appeared to be a touchdown at the time. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Arrowhead goes nuts. And, and it's an amazing play. And, you know, like Patrick Mahomes says, you know, legendary. I mean, it was it was amazing, man. I mean, it was just a, a, a spur of the moment. A dude who has all the football sense. You know, as someone who understands how much time's left in the game. Uh, someone who understands... You know, just all the pieces that go into the puzzle of being an NFL player and what an NFL game is and what it takes to win. And, you know, Kelsey just, you know, the great ones, man, talk about the game slows down and uh, it's, it's almost like time slows down and, and they have time to process and think and everything else. And, um, you know, Kelsey's just one of those dudes, man. I mean, all time great um, football player. And, uh, you know, he made it a, an awesome play and it was exciting. And then. You know, as you alluded to, it was for naught.
just the the acumen, uh, you know, uh, to do all that in in real time and just to understand all that. I mean, you know, again, I never played football other than backyard ball and running around. Um, you played at a higher level, but just the awareness. I mean, obviously that's that's what a pro athlete's about. And then there's athletes, you know, that are pros, pros, and just have that innate sense of everything that's happening on the football field. Um, it is unfortunate the guy was offsides. Um, you know, I don't know. Everything I read says it was clearly offside. So, um, you know, it means the play went for nothing, but still the elite athleticism is kind of great to see. What uh, What's your take overall, Chris? Do you have a thought on what's going on in the NFL? A lot of, I mean, every year we hear about complaining and officials and bad officiating. What's your sense? Yeah, it, it hasn't been a great year for the officials, is my sense. So um, just the week prior, also in the uh, Chiefs game, um, it, you know, there was there, there was a call where um, uh, there was a, a late hit called on Mahomes that really wasn't a late hit. The guy met him right at the first down marker. And Mahomes, you know, he's skirting down the sidelines, and he's trying to, you know, gain yardage. The defensive guy has a right to stop him, man. Like, dude, if you don't want to get hit, get out of bounds. And the guy started the contact inbounds. It was it was a perfectly legal hit, but they call it, you know, it's on Patrick Mahomes, so he got hit with a, 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 um, a late hit out of bounds call. And then uh, they proceeded to not call one of the most egregious uh, pass interferences that I've ever seen in the middle of the field. There's two dudes you know, uh, and uh, I think that was um, Valdez Scantling. You know, they tried to go back to the well and complete a long ball to Scantling. And um, the, the defender, I mean, it was just the most obvious pass interference like ever, man. I mean, the guy just mauled him. It's plain as day in front of everybody. And there's no flag on that one. And then, you know, I understand on on the Hail Mary plays, like that they never throw a flag, even though that's probably pass interference every single time a Hail Mary pass is thrown. There's all kinds of contact that takes place. But, um, you know, it's just let go. It's one of those things that um, there's so many bodies down there. Like where everyone's converging on the football, wherever the football is going to land, there's usually six six guys all going after the ball. And so, of course, they're bumping into each other and everything, so they never call anything. But Kelsey got pretty blatantly shoved two-hander in the back. And, uh, you know, like I said, they never call it or anything, so they just let it go. Um, but on and on, man, as I'm watching these games, like, I am – this has always been a, a, a struggle for me, and it's what makes – I don't, I don't, it makes it's what makes watching hockey so much fun. So hockey, they just never stop the action, man. Until like a puck goes out, out of the ring, or um, you know, there's icing, or you know, there are there are some penalties that are called, you know, and and, and then there's you know, guys will spend time in, time in the box. I mean, there's slashing and tripping and various other penalties that are called. But in, in hockey, when you're watching it as a sport, soccer's a little bit like this. Um, you know, they they. They historically will do a lot of falling down and stuff and, and, and do a little clock milking and things. But um, it's a free-flowing game, you know. And hockey's amazing that way, man, where it's just a free-flowing game. 
Like when they stop the action, there's a reason for it. When they call a penalty, there's a reason. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't get called in a hockey game that by the letter of the law probably could be called. Um, and in the NFL, it, it, it's so random when um, they choose to call these things. You know, there's holding on every single play, every single play. And there's illegal contact on almost every single play. There's guys lined up in the neutral zone all the time. You know what I mean? And so there's all these things that are in the rule book. You know, take like the um, sideline, for instance. You know, the, you know the, the coaches aren't supposed to impede. They're supposed to stay off the white. Or there, there's like a little box they got to stay in. It, it runs, I think it's like 60 yards or something long on a football field. And then, you know, you got to be behind this line at all times. They don't They do not do that. They they. They walk onto the field all the time. and uh, But all these things are infractions, and they're never called, you know what I mean? And and some of the things, depending on what it is, especially like the sideline, you'll get a warning, sometimes even two, like, hey, man, you got to stand back, you know what I mean? You guys got to get back a little bit. But they're not going to actually throw a flag. And this year, it just feels like more than ever, the officials are sticking their nose in um, into deciding games. And... You know, it's it's always going to be a tough thing, Kelly, right? It, it, all sports. Anytime you have officials, it's, there's going to be a lot of subjective calls. Basketball is brutal that way, you know, where like every play could be a foul, right? There's contact all the time. So when you choose to call it and when you don't, um, it, it just seems real random to the fan. But this year in the NFL, there have just been some just terrible misses, terrible calls, and it's amplified – when based on when the call is made so six minutes you know the clock's running in the first quarter and there's six minutes to go in the first quarter and the score is three to nothing and the game's just kind of getting rolling you know that call you call there doesn't really feel like as big even though it's a even though it's a pass interference you know 37 yard pass interference call same as it would be in the fourth quarter still 37 yards still pass interference still automatic first down it feels a lot bigger in in, in the fourth quarter and what it seems like more more this year than ever, they're choosing to make those calls when when it's third down, when when it's third and twenty. Now all of a sudden, now you want to call pass interference? Like, come on, man, this is a game changing play. Now you know what I mean. It's it's different than when it's on first down in the second quarter. You know, calling it when there's two minutes to go in the game of a one score game. This is this is a game changing call that you're making, and if you're gonna make this, then you got to make it every time. You don't just get to pick and choose. And if you are gonna pick and choose, then then this can't be the one you pick. And that's the part that's been frustrating for me this year. You know, the officials have had just too big a hand in the outcome of, of games, and, and they haven't been right very much. A couple things that I would like to see more of. Uh, I think your hockey comparison is great because, man. You can you can watch a period of hockey, you know, it's 20 minutes, and, like, there's not a huge amount of stop time. And, you know, it's just you get into the back and forth and, I mean, all kinds of things. The problem I – I mean, I like the NFL and football in general, but the thing is you're lucky if you even get four plays run in sequence – uh, without some stoppage, either a penalty or who knows what. But there's not a lot of flow. I mean, right. I'd, I'd like to see it where, you know, like, I don't know how you get to this, but just show me 11 plays in a row without all this crazy stoppage. Right. And so, you know, there's injuries in the NFL. And, you know, I, I, of course, we're going to stop play for someone who's injured and, and 
Um, but there again, even in hockey, man, they find their way off the ice, dude. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, in terms of watchability, now I like and I like football better. I, I like the game. I like the way uh, – I, I just like all the components to football. Um, and, uh, you know, so so it's my favorite sport, even with all the the, the stoppages and various things, you know. But um, as far in terms of flow, uh, yeah, it's terrible, man. Like you said, dude, either someone's getting hurt or there's a timeout or there's a commercial timeout or there's, you know, a um, penalty and, and – it's just all right, man. It just feels like it's it's really hard to, like you said, have any type of flow to the game. The other thing, and I don't know what's right, but given the way the league is oriented towards uh, passing and quarterbacks, I don't want to make it open season on a wide receiver, but because I get it, I mean, um, but I think the penalty for pass interference should be changed. Um, oh, I've far, always believed that. College has it right. Often, oh, sorry. Far too often, right now, all you do is you throw it up and hope for a PI versus, you know, I wouldn't have more of a problem like the college rule. 15 yards and automatic first down. But throwing the ball 40 yards and getting a PI call, um, when it wasn't a certainty the guy was going to catch the pass in the first place, it just has two, but I, I don't want to have it be open season on wide receivers either where you get to knock them down just willy-nilly. But there's got to be some change in my mind. There probably won't be, but I think there should be. Well, f- 15 yards and an automatic first down is a, is a, a hefty fine, dude. That's I mean, that's oh, I a agree. big penalty, man. So that's good enough. The, the idea that you can have a 58-yard penalty, and the other thing that drives me crazy is how come, you know, if there's a defensive holding, if there's a, a personal foul roughing the passer, if there's a illegal contact, blah, 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 I don't care what you call it. Every, every other penalty, with the exception of pass interference, is a half the distance to the goal. If you're, if you're down close to the goal line, every single other penalty that I'm aware of is is a half the distance penalty why is pass interference a first and goal at the one why why is that not a half the distance penalty like dude he caught you know he cheated whatever he grabbed him he you know there's especially when you consider how subjective it is and you know it seems pretty random when they call it and when they don't and and a lot of it you know is really inconsistent you you can't have uh like you know if it's the eagles it's an automatic touchdown you know, to, to give a team first and goal at the one, I don't know what the success rate is overall, but it's got to be above 80. Uh, that team's, you're giving them a touchdown. When, like you said, I mean, some dude, some of the times the ball's clearly not even catchable. There was no way that guy was catching the ball uh, based on where it was thrown and where the guy was standing and stuff. And then it's like, okay, he had some illegal contact. Okay, we're going to put the ball first and goal at the one. So I, I'm with you, buddy. I, I you know, that th- those – um uh, pass interference penalties should be 15 yards in an automatic first down. That's plenty punitive enough. And a uh, pass interference in the end zone should be either 15 yards or if they are, uh, you know, inside the 30 where that 15 would, would um, you know, bring you like, you know, more than half. So if, you, if you're at the 25, then it should be a half the distance penalty, just like all the rest are, dude. Like all the rest are half the distance to the goal penalties. I'd like to see them get rid of the first and goal at the one and get rid of a spot foul. 
Yeah, I just think that the game has already got enough geared towards the offense. And, I mean, you can do something like if it's, you know, uh, I'm sure they could come up with something where if the if – the, I get it why sometimes people do it, right? Um, hey, because if you don't do it, you know the guy's going to score. If there's something super egregious, maybe there's – I don't know what, but something else. But I, I feel that right now too many games are changed – uh, by pass interference calls that, again, it's just become another offensive weapon. Well, and they, and they um, officiate intention all the time. There, there's intentional grounding. You know, they they look at a play and, and say, hey, we think you intended to throw that ball away, and you did it on purpose. Or targeting, hey, we think you went head hunting for this guy. You You led with your shoulder, you led with the crown of your helmet, and you went after his head. And we can tell your intent based on, you know, replay or based on, you know, what we saw on the field. I don't know why you couldn't officiate intent on pass interference. If the guy grabs him by the back of the jersey and yanks him to the ground, you know, that's an, a, more, a more egregious penalty. Obviously, that you know, there's um, intent there. And so they officiate intent all the time already. Targeting and intentional grounding are both um, subjective intent penalties. And... I don't. You can absolutely do that with pass interference just as easily. You're going to be able to see if you were kind of going for the ball, or if the contact was like, okay, was, you know, you're kind of grabbing on his arm, but you're, you know, you were fighting for a position, or hey, that guy was going to beat you, and you grabbed him by the legs and tackled him. Like those, you know, you'll be able to tell that just by looking at it. And I don't know why you couldn't officiate it. So one's a 25-yard penalty or something, and an automatic first down, and the other one's a 15-yard penalty. You know. Um, or you make that one with intent, a spot fall penalty like the old, the old times used to be or something. But there's room for improvement. And But philosophically, I mean, can you imagine being in the winter meetings and they're like, hey, we're thinking about changing pass interference and, you know, we're going to have less scoring in the league. And, you know, there's never going to vote for that, man. They've been, they've been for 20 years injecting offense into the NFL because that's what the people want. They want scoring, touchdown, scoring, touchdowns. They're not going to make a change that suppresses it and no i don't I, think so you know from a competitive standpoint i would like to see it i agree with you wholeheartedly from from a um a gameplay standpoint i think it would be more fair but nfl wants scoring and they're gonna they're gonna artificially manufacture it any way they can and you know the pass interference is an easy way to inject cheap offense into a game that maybe shouldn't have been there yeah and you can say, hey, everybody's playing by the same rules, but I think that the level of randomness with the impact that I've seen on games, uh, like, it, it's too much, at least for me. I think, um, you know, I get where they're coming from um, and things like that. Uh, I also get where we're coming from, Chris, and we're coming from the start of our podcast to the end. <laughs> so... Uh, as always, another great conversation with you. Looking forward to I'm sure we'll catch up again uh, before the college championship, probably. Um, so we'll yeah, see I'm what sure happens. we will, man. We'll have some, uh, you know, uh, you and I maybe might be playing. Uh, we got to get through this week, but yeah, you and I might be playing a uh, fantasy football well, game, a semifinal week, game man. in a couple of weeks potentially. And then um, some of the games will have have started. You know, some we you know we'll have some bowl games to cover. But, yeah, my hope is we can definitely get together before the uh, semifinals kick off and, and maybe, uh, you know, look at it then. Well, all right, Chris, thanks again, and thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the podcast to be named later.